Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. And of course, there is no bigger phenomenon in the world of movies and pop culture dorkery right now than Avengers Endgame. And we're going to be talking about it on the show today with our pals, uh, Head of Research, Ryan Schweck, and our resident crank, Mr. Arian Gulick. We're going to have a lot of fun later on, but before we get to that... Uh, I've got some stuff I want to put over. Uh, as a host, I want to do a little bit better with partnering up with people, uh, with putting the word out on things that I think are cool. And normally, I would stick to maybe one or two things a week uh, if I can get back into my stride of, of actually communicating with people. Uh, but th- this week... I'm going to drop a bunch of information on you. Get your pens out or your uh, your your notepad in your phone or however you prefer to make notes of important things because I have some important things for you to make note of. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is that it's May, which means it is time once again for Atlanta's premier gaming, comic, cosplay, anime convention, MomoCon. Uh, just go in there, Google Momocon. You'll get all the information you need. I will have more information for you in the coming weeks, and I will once again be a member of the press at Momocon this year. Last year, if you remember, I had an absolute blast. Uh, we talked to Renee Cooper, who is the head of media relations for Momocon, and might be talking to her again this year. And we also had a great conversation with our pal Michael Gordon about Momocon and and just what it's about. So it, it's a it's the, the energy at that convention is like nothing else. Uh, you guys know anime cause I love cosplayers. I love the atmosphere when cosplay is around but for the most part it's just not my thing i don't have the skills i don't have the patience uh and and i don't have uh i'm a little warm to be wearing lots of costumes all the time i tend to run a little hot uh but anyway despite that momocon is one of the most fun wonderful atmospheres i have ever been in and i look forward to going back this year so get on the google uh, check out Momocon, see who all is going to be there. There's a great guest list. And again, uh, on NeedlessThingsPodcast.com and on the podcast itself, uh, in the coming weeks, I'll have more information for you about that. Uh, another thing that I want to mention is the Smyrna Comic Book Toy and Art Convention, uh, which is being put on by Chris Hamer, who is a local artist, tattoo artist, uh, head of Urban Pop Studios, just an all-around great guy who I've known for years now and, and is uh, not only a real sweetheart, but has a unique creative vision that we really enjoy here in the Phantom Zone. But he is putting on Smyrna's first ever toy and comic convention. You can go to legioncomicconvention.com. You've got plenty of time to check it out. Uh, it's August 3rd. It's in Smyrna at the uh, American Legion Post. And it just... Go to the website, check it out. You can also find 
uh, Smyrna Toy and Comic Convention on Facebook. Follow the page there, obviously. Facebook, uh, as much as I may hate it, it is kind of the hub for information and events and that sort of thing. Like, wh- whatever other horrible aspects there are to Facebook, it does make it easy to keep track of all the stuff that you want to do. And if you're in the Atlanta area, the Smyrna Toy and Comic Convention is something that you want to do. They've got a guest list up now. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a really fun initial event. And it's always interesting to go to these first-time events because they're going to have their own flavor. Uh, they're very much going to be whoever's running them uh that first one is such a good indication of like who this person is what they enjoy it's always very interesting to me to see what's going down at these first time shows uh okay next item of business if you have not listened to episode four of the needless things mini cast which went up earlier this week please go to needlessthingspodcast.com or itunes or stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from i at this point i think i can just enter in an episode of the needless things podcast like just google it and it like literally just brings the episode up and we'll play it like i don't even think you need a a, an app now they're just all out there uh but check out episode four of the needless things minicast uh talk to somebody who i've actually known for years now uh but have never had on the show raymond carr who is a tremendously talented set designer, puppeteer, creator, writer, director. Uh, he, he's one of those guys who does it all, and uh, it, it's kind of annoying when you think of how good he is at all of the things that he does. Uh, he is working on a movie called Joyriders, and I sat down and I talked with him about uh, not just the process of creating Joyriders and running a a crowdsourced funding campaign on a site called seed and spark which if you again if you google seed and spark joyriders you'll find the appropriate site uh, it's a fascinating new well i guess it's not all that new but it's just for filmmakers and it's dedicated around getting them not just money getting them the tools and the support they need to make their visions happen and i think it's awesome and i, I was really excited to hear about that and we talked just not about this genesis of joyriders but also about uh sort of the the cultural history of pop culture science fiction and, and uh class and race and all the things that are encompassed with a black filmmaker trying to make something that represents his personal life and vision uh it was it was a great conversation and we'll have raymond carr back on for a full interview at some point in the future but for right now please do check out episode four of the minicast uh with our pal raymond carr and go check out seed and spark joyriders and you can also again you can get on facebook follow joyriders movie and get all the information there as well and finally the last thing i want to mention i have a special musical treat for you today uh, our friend noah holt who was on an older episode of the needless things podcast again use the google uh his band called the kbk and they have just released a cd that is a compilation of the first 10 years of the kbk's musical output it's fantastic i'm going to play a selection from it in just a minute here but if you google the the 
KBK. Uh, you'll find their CD baby. You'll find their uh, Reverb Nation. You'll find you know all they're, they're all over the place. Facebook again, uh, but you can currently order a CD or a digital download of that album that contains the first ten years of KBK music. You can also get a really cool compilation of different Alabama garage rock and surf rock bands. You can get that on vinyl, which was exciting to me because. I used to really, really enjoy grabbing seven inches and stuff back in the day of all the punk bands that I would see because I knew a lot of people that played in different bands. I had tons of stuff, uh, Tone Deaf Pig Dog, Stuck at Zero, uh, The Grumpies, um, gosh, I, I can't even remember. But every show, like, you'd go to see your friend's band play. But then other bands from, like, out of town would play, and you'd just buy everybody's records. And everybody was making these cool 7-inches, and they were doing, comp like, split singles where one band would be on one side, one band would be on the other side. Or you'd get a single that had, like, all six songs that the band had recorded, and they all fit on a 7-inch because they're only a minute and a half each or whatever. But you you met these people and then got to take their music home and and have it to play on your record player and i used to have this great collection of of seven inches from all over the southeast and and beyond of bands that i had seen and it was really special to me and i, I really loved knowing that in some capacity i knew these people or had met them or had some kind of uh you know, punk rock meet and greet with them or, or whatever the case may be. You know, the, these kids coming in from town, sleeping in a van. Hey, we met you at South Carolina. Do you want to come play in Georgia? Hey, we met you in Alabama. Do you want to come play in North Carolina? Hey, you're from Florida. Come up to Atlanta. Check it out. Like, that was the relationship back then. It was very organic. And, and because these bands traveled, they brought in other bands from other places where they visited. And uh, being able to have these these awesome artifacts of, of my personal musical history, I loved it. But then 10 years ago, uh, when the house flooded, I lost it all, every single bit of it. Uh, and it broke my heart. You know, I, I didn't mind losing uh, Prince or Weird Al or, or Korn. And yeah, I had a Korn album. Granted, it was signed, and that'll never be replaced. But, uh, you know, that stuff, it, it was a bummer. But the the stuff that really killed me was losing all those seven inches. Because uh, obviously those are absolutely irreplaceable. Uh, I'll never have them back. Fortunately, I had most of them that I had recorded onto MP3. But uh, still, to to no longer have those uh, those items that represented those memories and those good times was a bummer. But now, I've got you know my friend Noah has put together this great compilation. So I'm once again going to have vinyl uh, that a friend of mine had a direct hand in. And every time I put that thing on the turntable, it's going to be like, man, Noah made this. Like he's he's part of this. I've I've got him in my collection. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so go check out the KBK. You'll find all the sites. Uh, you can get all the music. You can get digital downloads, whatever. Uh, but and, and they've also got a T-shirt, which I hate to say it. I didn't buy the T-shirt because, my gosh, I can't fit any more T-shirts in my closet. I just can't do it. Uh, but maybe you can. Maybe you need a cool band T-shirt from a band like the KBK. And maybe once you hear 
this song from the KBK, you'll go buy the album, you'll go buy t- the t-shirt, and you'll go buy the awesome independently released vinyl album with some of the coolest bands that are playing in Alabama right now. So there you go. Check this music out, check the KBK out, and then stick around because we're going to talk about Avengers Endgame. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. If you have not yet seen Avengers Endgame, uh, this episode is going to be loaded with spoilers. And also, uh, don't complain, because obviously you don't care enough. Seriously. That's right. I, I, it's, uh, it's been a week. What's wrong with you? Right, yeah, it, well, and that's the thing. Is like, I'm trying kind to be nerd, res- are you? I'm trying to be respectful of everybody online, but at the same time, like uh, if you, you haven't you know, seen it, you know that's not my gig. Oh yeah, exactly. That's your that's your whole thing is not being respectful of people online. But uh, if, if you haven't seen it by the Monday after it came out, you you don't care enough to have a right to complain about spoilers. Because my my shit job has a horrible horrible schedule, and I've never missed seeing a movie I really wanted to see on opening weekend. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. It's true. But speaking of uh, 
Avengers Endgame, we had to bring in some of our best and brightest of the Needless Things Irregulars to break this movie down. Uh, first of all, I want to welcome back to the show our head of research, Ryan Schweck. How are you doing tonight? Good. Glad to be here and talk about a movie that I realized I have characters that have been around for 25% of my life, <laughs> which is kind of a weird Shit. thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is an odd... Uh... I mean, Damn, the characters crazy. have been around for forever, but well, yeah. the, 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 the on representations, yeah. yeah. That's, that's kind of nutty. And, We're uh, old. Of course, this delightful voice you're hearing, uh, the, the third voice, the third man in the show. Uh, Arian, we just couldn't do it without your dark, cynical take on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I, I, I will go ahead and uh, confirm for everyone... I did like Infinity War better. <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah? <laughs> I agree. Wow. I, I, I actually thought it, like, there are a few things about, we'll get to it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll break that down, because all honesty, now that I've thought about the thing that you just said, you're probably right. Uh, but, but we'll get to it. The first thing I want to do is lay down some ground rules. Um, one... We are not going to discuss uh, the nature and the what-ifs of the time travel established in Endgame. Uh, we can discuss what they established, but I don't want to get into, well, what if they took the Soul Stone back to where the Time Stone went and then an alternate timeline from there, but we can't get into that. That would be a whole other episode. That would be that would be our what if episode. We we're, you mean we're not going to go down the the uh, the wormhole of according to the rules that they established because Loki got away with a space stone in 2012 that they're fucked now. Well, no, that's that's an okay thing because that's something that actually happened in the movie, so right. we can kind of look at the ramifications of that. I think we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it does think, make. I, it I does make my head hurt a little bit it's, when I think about timey, it. It's timey-wimey BS, and, uh, yeah. And thanks so. so much to Stephen Moffat for introducing that annoying yeah. phrase into the lexicon. Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly. Uh, the, the other rule is that there are three of us, so everybody just be conscious of that when you express your thought. Keep it concise, and then be ready for everybody else to, to share their input on it. And with that, we will move on into Avengers Endgame. Uh, and, and actually... I think real quick we can probably cover the possibility that Infinity War was better. Uh, when you said it, I was shocked. But it actually does make sense because in the end, if you lay it down sort of important beat by important beat, Endgame was pretty predictable. Yeah, well, it's... so Like in the best way possible. Right. No, like the, well, the last hour of it, or like really the last half of it is in the best way possible. Like the the beginning of Endgame is disjointed to me. Uh, it's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, well, it's yeah. so because it's for one thing. Uh, and this was talking to uh, you the other day. Uh, it made me realize this. Uh, this movie is kind of oddly 
it it wants to be James Gunny, and that's not a thing that the Russo brothers are good at. I agree with that. Uh, it's uh, the the Russo. I actually enjoy the Russo brothers a whole lot. I think they're great. Uh, their their two Captain America movies are my favorite. I know you disagree. That's okay. We're, no, I, we're... I agree that they're your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're back in agreement. Excellent. Uh, so so uh, yeah, it, it's it when it starts after Clint's farm. That's when it starts to go off the rails a little bit to me. Like it starts with some music, which it seemed like they tried to use music more in this movie than any other Marvel movie, other than a, the, the Guardians and Guardians Two. I'm not it, a huge fan of of non. It, it, it did not work for me. I, I, I'm not a big fan of non. I think it's diegetic is the word, uh, which means music that is not coming from a source within the movie. Right. I'm not a big fan of that in Marvel movies, and it happened in Captain Marvel, and in rewatching all the movies, because we've gone back and rewatched everything over the last couple of weeks, and it it happens in Guardians, but it's coming, like, it'll start in Star-Lord's tape player, and then pull back and be the score of the scene, so it does at least have an origin within the film, whereas here... They're it's just kind of just playing it out of nowhere, and, right? And it's weird to me. How do you feel yeah. about it, Ryan? Yeah, it's out of place. <laughs> um, and kind of, I think that goes along with a lot of things I thought about it. The more I've thought about the movie, there are some scenes in this movie that I think are amazing, like you know, chill bumps, whatever. But I walked out of it thinking. I don't know if I liked it as a movie. Like, I didn't come out of it thinking that was a great movie. Like, you know, with Winter Soldier, you walk out. That's a great movie. Mm -hmm. This, I was like, man, there were a lot of good scenes in that movie. And I think it's because this movie was the third act to all of the MCU. Yes. And so you've got three hours of, you know, the little bit in the beginning, just like when you have a play, you know, reacting to the end of Act 2 and then the climax. And so that's not meant to be a full movie, no. Um, no. Which is fine. I mean, they did what they had to do. But so you get stuff like that. You get weird, you know, music beds that are just tiebacks to other things and that kind of thing. So I'm kind of still thinking about that. I'm curious to watch it when I can sit and watch a whole bunch of stuff in a row. Yeah, I will say this: that in in watching all what twenty three movies now. 22 yeah in proximity to one another um there is a lot that was obviously set up to lead to endgame and there's a lot that they kind of retroactively incorporated into what happened in endgame Mm -hmm. uh and it was all very smart like none of it Nothing happens and you're like, oh, that was cheap or that was corny or like, yeah, whatever. Like, there was one thing that did, but we'll get okay, to that. Okay, well, yeah, there was, there was a moment in the movie that made me roll my eyes so hard they yeah. almost fell out of my head. But we'll, we'll, get to that sensi- <sighs> we'll get to that sensitive topic a little bit uh-huh. later. Um, but uh, I, I, it's really impressive as the let's tie everything up because they – as far as that goes, they accomplished... They did a great job with it. Yeah, they accomplished so much more than I was really expecting as far as Tony's dad, Thor's mom. Like, 
all the little bits and pieces that I feel like the Russos and, and uh, McFeely and, uh, oh, shoot, I can't remember the other writer's name. Um, but they, I feel like they really looked back and said, let's figure out every potential loose end, every emotional be- – Marcus is the other writer. Um, but let's let's make sure we touch on anything – that seems significant that maybe didn't get a proper feeling of closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and with, with Thor and, and actually I want to talk about Thor a little bit, uh, you know, Thor's mother, Frigga dying in Thor, the dark world, she got a funeral, but essentially Thor never really dealt with her death. Yeah, well, and, Thor, Thor hadn't really dealt with a lot of things. Right, exactly. Like, we saw a little bit of it in Infinity War, uh, but in this one, he... I mean, we, we saw a guy who had just lost his shit, and the first time through, I mean, obviously Fat Thor is a hilarious visual, and it's taken every bit of my willpower to not post things about Fat Thor on social media for the past week. Uh but will that will Fat Thor be the new Deadpool at Dragon Con this year? Oh, that's for sure. Because I all of so. us, all of us have the right kind of body to be Fat Thor, right? Like he's. I was going to say, like, <laughs> even if you did make uh, Lebowski Thor jokes on on social media, Red Ranger wouldn't get them. So it's well, okay. that's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, but the first time through, I was like, oh, look at Fat Thor. That's a funny visual. I still don't know how I feel about Thor using modern phrases and lingo and and jargon and whatever and and the humor that they've decided to give him but then the second time through for whatever reason this version of thor really clicked for me uh and i think it's it's because i can see a trajectory where he gets back to being the the really like lust for battle fun Thor like yeah. I can I can sort of see a character arc really coming out of this that leads somewhere good how how did you guys feel about fat Thor was he was he too goofy or I, did it work I here's why it didn't work for me uh basically this is Thor with PTSD right and Marvel, like, the MCU has already, like, delved it. And, like, not everybody experiences PTSD the same way. Let's go ahead and put that out there. But as far as a a subject to talk about, like, within the MCU, they've done a really great job of it with Tony's PTSD and Iron Man 3 and uh, Infinity War and in this movie and in other stuff. Uh this was just like, hey, Thor's freaking out. It's funny, and then like that was kind of it. I don't well, know. I, like I'm, I am not opposed to having Thor be funny. Like I'm not even opposed to having Thor be a fat drunk. I'm kind of. I didn't. It just didn't click for me. See, it worked for me because this second time through, I really picked up on the the despair. And the the just lost hopelessness that is very different from what Tony experienced, and, and obviously he handles it differently than than Tony. It's a, but it's a more personal, you know. Tony Tony's P- PTSD 
basically came from finding out he was not, in fact, the center of the universe. Right. Uh, Thor's came from finding out that he didn't and couldn't save the day. Like it was right. a different he, he, well, kind of failure. He, he couldn't. He couldn't hero his way out of everything. Right. Okay, but didn't we deal with that with him? Like, and this is where I got kind of weird about it. Like, the end of Ragnarok. That is what that's about. That he has like accepted the loss, and then at the end he realizes I've you know got to suck it up and be the leader and lead Asgard. I almost and, feel like the last like uh, Infinity War in this movie kind of did Thor's character a disservice because. He was at maybe an interesting place as king of Asgard and finally mm-hmm. accepting it and, like, dealing with the loss and, like you said, taking responsibility. But then, like, they 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 basically had to have Thanos show up and wreck Asgard, like, the, uh, the Asgardian refugees because they had one of the Infinity Stones. So, it was just, like, they were a casualty of the overarching plot. Almost, but see, th- to me, that's what makes it interesting because in comics, this is what happens: is we our heroes work and suffer and triumph, and then fall again and work and suffer and triumph. Like it's it's a never-ending cycle. And Thor, being the most sort of like classical and Shakespearean of these heroes, it seems right to me that. He, he doesn't get to say, you know what, I've got all this figured out. Let's go <laughs> forward. Like, I kind of like the, the, the fall again, and, and especially such a massive one. And also, because of it being the Asgardians and being fresh off of Ragnarok, uh, it really brought Thanos' actions home in a way that nothing else really would have. Like, we just saw these people survive an apocalypse, and then Big Purple Guy comes along and fucks it all up. Yeah. Right? I don't know. It. All I can say is that it did not work for me. Well, then let's move on. To... <laughs> I will say on Thor, I am glad, though, they resisted the temptation. Like, I kept waiting for him to, like, lift Stormbreaker and get lightning and get his six-pack back. Yes, yes. And then yeah, just no, move I, on. And I, I did kept waiting. that. And yeah. I like they, they stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. I, that was fantastic. And, and by the way, I will buy three different versions of Fat Thor if they make figures of them. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy, uh, like, if they, if they have one that does kind of look like the dude, like, the, in the bathrobe or whatever, I'll, I'll get that. I, I am hopeful they'll do a three-pack of Lebowski, Thor, Karg in his Hawaiian shirt. And Meek. And, uh, wait, what's the little one's name? Meek. Meek. Yeah, and I hope they come with a little TV with Fortnite on it. <laughs> Although I did, new, like, I did like... What's his name? Point, new Boy 69 or whatever. Yeah, yeah new, Nude Boy new 69. Master. Nude Boy yeah. 69, it's Thor again. Which again. Was, which was exactly the type of shit I hated in Ragnarok, but and and I didn't really care for it here, but it was so little of it, it wasn't overwhelming. Uh, so character-wise, uh, Ryan, what who who stood out to you in this one, in, in a good or bad way? Uh, all right, let's start with bad. I do not appreciate or didn't like that we just kind of glossed over 
whatever the hell happened with the Hulk. Like, I'm fine with you mixing it up and making, you know, like a combination of Professor Hulk, Mr. Green, whatever. But that can't be like such a huge plot point in Infinity War that they got to work some stuff out. They got to whatever reason Hulk is hiding. And then in the next movie, it's just like, and we worked it out. We made up. And now I control Hulk this well. But at the same time, do you want to grind this movie to a halt with a laboratory scene that really we know where it's going? Yeah, I that that bothered me as well, but like I also like I I understand that like it's already three hours long, like you're already doing a lot, and like there are, there are characters like I feel I feel like of the, of the original six I really liked what they did with half of them and to varying degrees like the other half I did not enjoy as much. Uh, and uh, Hulk was one of the ones that I didn't really enjoy. It, it didn't really bother me because I kind of know why they did it, just because of like, you know, like they, like Dave said, they could have like a five minute scene going into it. But if they did, then like the then the movie's like five minutes longer, yeah. and it's already running over long. And like honestly, I would rather just have like five more minutes of awesome battle scene during awesome battle scene. I, I know that I know this makes me bad, but that's that's just me. I, I'm far more annoyed with with Matt and uh and Thor. So yeah, any and I didn't hate the Professor Hulk persona. I, some people didn't like it. I thought it was fine. No, you know? I was fine with it. I, I because this is and and actually this is the movie where I really had to admit that Mark Ruffalo is a better choice than ed norton because ed oh, norton God, couldn't yeah. have done any of that no no and, uh rough the only time smart hulk annoyed me was when they went back to new york and he did the little fake smashing thing like <laughs> and look it was funny but it was also like all right enough of this now goofy shit. with hulk i was kind of the opposite how i was at thor like i really wanted them and was waiting for them to make him go savage again. And like in that like I would have liked to seen in that final battle he had to let go and become Savage Hulk again. Right, right. That would have been cool. Yeah, but you know what? At the same time, why not save that for later? And yeah, and they may. Because I mean, now we've got we've got Smart Hulk and it was a big massive battle with lots going on, everybody doing specific things and he really didn't have any business that was that was his so save that moment for a future movie where it really will have impact uh as opposed to here where there's so much other shit going on they wouldn't really be able to give it the focus it deserves because honestly that could be a whole movie yeah Uh, not that we're gonna get a hulk movie but if warner brothers lets them or no uh universal universal yeah Yeah, universal so uh, but yeah, I, I think we're, so. We're pretty much in agreement, though. Smart Hulk was pretty fun, not overly annoying. Yeah, as a character, it was fun. Like I, I just wish they had done more uh, to explore the the backstory of how he became Smart Hulk. I, I, yeah, I think they, the scene in the diner where Paul Rudd says, "I'm so confused." I think what what more do we need? And by the way, I just want to say the acting in this thing. 
these people were, and, and you know, MCU movies, it's always, it's always at least good. But I felt like everybody just acted their asses off in this movie, and Paul Rudd in particular, being sort of connective tissue for everybody in a way, uh, from from his reaction to seeing his daughter, uh, to when he gets pissed off at Tony later on, to where I mean, I, I feel like he was fantastic. Everybody was, but Rudd in yeah. particular really, I was impressed. <laughs> the only thing that I questioned about Ant Man is. When did Ant-Man get smarter? <laughs> I was like, wait a second. There were times he was like helping build some stuff. Well, no, he's an ele- like, he's an electrical engineer. He is. He has, but he like has the- a P- or not a PhD. He's got a master's in electrical engineering or whatever, which yeah. I didn't. And, and you know what? That would have bothered the shit out of me because I didn't remember that until we watched Ant-Man again. And I was like, oh, shit, he is like he's not a genius. Yeah, but he's not a dum dum that's just wearing that suit around. Like he does, you know, he's the one who altered it to get out of the quantum realm. Like he he does. That's true. He does have some smarts. Yeah, but yeah, I thought he did really well. Um, and I like seeing Cassie grown up. That was good. Um. Oh, so the first um, my first time around since there were twenty seven minutes of trailers before the movie. I got up to run to the bathroom as soon as, like, a trailer started. I was like, well, shit, I'm going to go ahead and go now and get it out. And then by the time I got back, I missed the whole entire opening scene with Hawkeye. Oh, God. Uh, Because it was, uh, whatever the trailer was, it was like a super short one. And uh, so I missed that whole scene, but Jen told me she leaned over and was like, uh, his Hawkeye was doing the thing. It was basically a thing from the trailer. Uh, right. And then his family disappears. So I got the gist of it, but I got to say, actually seeing it uh, really did make a huge difference in Clint's character for me this time around because you, I mean, he basically becomes the Punisher in this movie. Yep. And his his arc is so good because one... He's always been, you know, you can ask our pal Beth, he's the joke of the team in a way. But at the same time is the sort of more mortal one that's holding them together. But he's made it through all these movies, even Age of Ultron, which murdered a character just to go, ha ha, you thought it was going to be Hawkeye. Um, So he survived all this stuff. Also because Joss Whedon likes killing people. Uh, Yeah, that too. Um (laughs) And we we get to see, uh, when it comes to that huge scene uh, with the Soul Stone and our old pal Red Skull, that was almost tough to watch. Yeah. I I really enjoyed Clint's arc throughout this movie. Like I, I thought they did a really good job, and I, I, I for one, can't wait for for best review and acknowledgement <laughs> of uh, Hawkeye's greatness. She, I mean, I, I feel like at this point, she kind of has to admit defeat. <laughs> she does because he was great. He was critical. Um, but let's he, let's yeah. talk about that big scene uh, with the Soul Stone because I, for one, love that. I feel like they served Natasha's character because it's so important when she says, this is all I've been doing for five years. 
right? Mm-hmm. We know how she feels about her life. We know how she feels about what she's done in the past, her need for redemption. We know that at this point, her only purpose, and you can see it a bit in her desperation when they do the scene uh, with her talking to uh, Rocket and uh, Carol. Yeah, They're having the meeting. You, You can see she's just desperate to do something to keep everybody together and to give them all a purpose. Uh and I really felt like it was it was a great decision, and 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 to give Hawkeye the opportunity to get back to his family and not do the trite, like oh well he's got to die and never see him again to save the day. Yeah, and I think it, you know for her it all goes back to that whole thing with her about the ledger, and she's always trying to clear her ledger, exactly um, all the red on her ledger, and so they you know finally let her do it. I I. I kind of wish it had been Hawkeye, like narratively. <laughs> I like Hawkeye. He's one of my favorites. But I think it would have been, I don't know. There's just something about that scene where I felt like Hawkeye was a better one to, if he could say, like, go back and save him, you know, whatever, sacrifice for his family. But that's me. That, I, I, I just feel like that would have been the, the obvious movie choice. Yeah. yeah. Now I say, and supposedly I, it was at first, and they they changed it after somebody like weighed in and said it should be Nat, and then everybody kind of was convinced, and it ended up being Nat. I will say, I liked everything leading up to her sacrifice and her sacrifice. I thought, like, <laughs> it, it, and I know this is like one of Dave's least favorite things ever is a uh, his Family Guy. But uh, it sure it, is. It, it reminded me of how like everyone in Family Guy treats Meg, the daughter, because like they came back and everybody's like, "Oh, she's dead," and Hulk threw a bench, and then they're like, "Okay, back to it." So it's well, like, I mean, what are they again? Are they going to grind the whole thing to a halt to have a funeral? No, but they also like I feel feel like maybe during Tony's funeral they could have like acknowledged it somehow yes they had the scene by the lake and they did acknowledge it briefly but i feel like that was post-funeral and it was very brief and it was also talking about vision in addition to that and vision had been dead for a while so i don't know like i feel like if if nat's one of the the major six characters that you're focusing the movie on and they did because they gave them a special acknowledgement during the the credits, uh, then it maybe would have been cool to, to have her acknowledged a little bit more, her passing and sacrifice acknowledged I, a little bit more. I, I don't know. don't disagree, but I just don't think the movie's pacing and time allowed for it. And, and yeah, it's it sucks, but at the same time, her sacrifice was so significant. Uh, you know, Tony, Tony did what he did, but it was a spur of the moment. Got to do it now. Don't. It's it's either I do this or it's all over. Uh, and and Steve, I mean, he got a, a classic happy ending. He got an amazing right? finish. So there's no there's no tragedy to his. Yeah. Now there. Whereas without hers, nothing works. Nothing like it, her sacrifice was significant enough that that was her moment. Well, I think just real world wise, 
you're saying goodbye to Robert Downey Jr. Whereas Scarlett Johansson is getting a TV show or no, we're getting a movie. A movie. Getting a movie. We're going to yeah. see her in a movie. And I mean, not that carrot story wise that has anything to do with it. Right. But as far as like the MCU goes, they're going to do that. You know what's funny about that scene by the lake is. Uh, you know they're talking and and it's it's really nice because Clint says I wish there was a way to let her know that we won, which is such a such a perfect sentiment for for everything that had happened. Uh, and then Wanda says, "Well, she knows. They both know." And my first thought was, "Oh, she's remembering her her brother who fucking died." And then I was like, "Oh, nope, she's talking about Vision. We yeah, don't even talking. care about Quicksilver anymore." Yeah, like who? <laughs> I, how did they not? And I tried to think. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, his his name is is it still? Does it still have to be Pietro Maximoff, or can they call him Quicksilver now? No. Who knows? How did they not? If they're going to do time travel, at least show the respect to somehow show Quicksilver. I know there wasn't an Infinity Stone around a lot right then, but come on, guys. <laughs> Show him some respect. Well, see, my, I mean, my wish was that they'd somehow bring him back, although at the same time, I very much respect that they didn't cheat and bring back, which they did with Gamora, but that almost had to happen. Like, it wasn't even a, oh, they figured out a way to do it. It was just part of the story they were telling. But they didn't do a cheat and bring back you know, characters who had died and who were dead, dead. Like, like they said about Thor's mother, like she's gone, gone, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people who are kind of gone and we've got to do this for them. Like, I, I appreciate that they drew that line in the storytelling. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious to see, you know, that last infinity wars crossover in the comic book was about them getting Gamora out of the soul stone. Oh, are there comics like, about this? No. It, yeah. No, cool. I'd like to read those. But I think it's interesting. Like, I mean, but it is that last arc is about like Gamora that's outside the stone, and part of Gamora's soul is inside the stone, and it's about them bringing her soul back together. Huh. And so I kind of wonder if they might go that way somehow, which I kind of don't want to see him do, but... Uh, yeah, because here, here's my call as far as that goes. Uh, I think the stones are done. I don't think we'll see them in the movies again. I don't think they'll even really be referenced uh, unless something in Far From Home, because according to Fagy, that's actually the end of, of this whole thing. Uh, but I, I think they have to put the stones to bed at this point. Because I hope so. any, any, yeah, anything I hope so else too. will be problematic for their storytelling in the future. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we we got you know Nat got her incredible noble uh, send off that that was touching, and uh, we we mentioned Tony and we mentioned Steve, and honestly I don't know that there's a whole lot to discuss there. Uh, again, the acting on on both of their parts was just absolutely. Those guys were at the top of their game. Robert Downey Jr. Man, at the beginning, after they first brought him back from space, which, by the way, I think uh, I'd like to establish this with you guys, since I consider us an expert panel. Uh, Carol went and got Tony and Nebula because the scene at the end of Infinity War 
head, or I'm sorry, at the end of Captain Marvel, the post credit scene, like that happened prior to this movie. Or not prior to this movie, but during the five yeah. year during the five years, like that scene drops in right before she goes to get Tony from space. Right. That was my assumption. Yeah. And, and, also, that, and that's that's part why? of why I feel like the beginning of the movie is kind of disjointed. I don't know. Like everything up until the five year jump feels like a little weird to me. It does, but I I love that they had the five year jump and that that there was consequence. That yes, they got everybody back, but five years passed and they didn't just get to erase what happened. Everybody remembers it. Everybody knows. Everybody knows this this madman from another world did this. Like it's very interesting to me that they didn't just go back in time and correct it. That yeah. there's there's still scars. Well, and I'm curious moving forward, and I, you know, Far From Home is the first movie after, if it does take place after this movie and kind of movie, they're going to have to talk about, like, I mean, people were gone for five years, you're going to have all sorts of weird stuff, like people getting remarried and your kids being older, like the world is way screwed up now. Which, to be fair, they're probably not going to dip too far into that kind of stuff, but I'm sure there will be, you know, repercussions at at the superhero level that they'll discuss. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be like, it's going to be weird. Like, I mean, I thought of like a whole bunch of weird shit, so like apparently people came back where they were, but like... So, if someone got snapped while they were in a plane in the middle of the sky, are they going to, like, come back in the middle of the sky? Well, there's a line that specifically says, bring them back safe. Okay. So, I, I think that kind of covers that in, in, in the shorthand, you know? All right. I would love to see the MCU pick up and just be all weird and depressing like the leftovers on HBO. <laughs> like just well, like, that's, what, that's what the uh like the first <laughs> once they like made the initial five year jump, like all right. that footage reminded me of the leftovers, like <laughs> just trash everywhere and like people are sad the Mets are gone. I would have been stoked the Mets were gone, but I hate the Mets. So that's just me. Uh but yeah, I, it's I don't know. It's it was it was a really weird and jarring like tonal shift from what we'd had before and then the MCU MCU movies, which were mostly kind of lighthearted and fun. And but then like but having, they have the capability to to get dark and to get sure. a, a little ugly and disturbing, uh, which Thor, parts of Thor Ragnarok would have been if some ass clown hadn't been in charge of it. <laughs> Yeah, Which, by the way, I would totally sign up for other things from that ass clown. If Taika Waititi wants to do like a Gwynpool movie, I'm all about it. <laughs> that would be perfect. But just keep him away from anything that needs to be taken seriously in any way. Yeah. Um, See, I, you you take Thor. I, I feel like as a baseline level, you you took Thor way more seriously than I did. So. Oh yeah, I, I, apparently so. Yeah. Uh, so Steve, Steve gets his. We we have known from the beginning his relationship with with Peggy was yeah 
so important. And then in this movie, they took the care and the time to to drop down to reinforce it, to ha- yeah. to show the compass, to have the office scene, um, to to like if you watch this movie. You know what's going to happen. It has to happen. The way that they establish Peggy, um, if it had ended any other way, we'd be shitting on the whole movie at this point. Right. And that was his vision from Scarlet Witch and Age of Ultron. Yes. That he got to dance with her again. Yes. I like to think of the implications of Sharon Carter and what this means. <laughs> I know we were going to talk about well, like, no, they the time set... and stuff. And I know they said it's another dimension. Whatever, whatever. Oh, Just no, let no. me it's... have my head cane in that Sharon Carter is in love with her uncle. And like... <laughs> it's... Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah, because what when he started to have feelings for Sharon, he actually didn't know that she was Peggy's uh, niece or great niece or whatever it was at the time. Yeah, because she didn't reveal that until the funeral. Yeah, there's all sorts of weird stuff going on with that even more now. Yeah, yeah, it does. But make it's that too bad weird. Sharon kind of got the shaft too. They were kind of building her up there for a couple of movies, like he was gonna move on, and you know that's one thing. Yeah, we know. I know that needs to be his happy ending and what they've all kind of led to. But I also kind of liked how over Winter Soldier and Civil War, he kind of came to terms with moving on. Yeah. Like, it it, it almost takes away from that scene. It's in Civil War, right? Yeah, where she's in the hospital. Um, it takes away from that scene now that he's happy for that she moved on. And yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff where they never show him. So it could be him and blah, blah, blah. But I like that. Like Steve realizing that she was happy and that's okay. And he's got to move forward. I don't know. Yeah. And, and you're right. And there's several instances throughout the history of the MCU at this point where you can look and see where they sort of course corrected. Yeah. Um, you know, I think at one point they were probably planning on him moving on, but this gives Chris Evans, you know, the out right. that, that he wanted and that his character deserves in a way that, you know, let's say he marries Sharon and retires. Like, that's not, that's right. not satisfying. Yeah, no? that's the Dark Knight Rises. Oh my nobody God. liked that crap. Right. <laughs> his his whole thing was that he was a man out of time. So yeah, it was. It, I thought like his arc and Tony's arc, they just completely nailed perfectly. Uh, like even like going back to the first Avengers movie where Cap's talking to Tony and he's like, "You're not going to be the one to make the sacrifice play to right. lay down on a right." lay down on a wire or a grenade so that someone can crawl over you. And, like, yes, he like, Tony proves him wrong in, uh, in, at the end of the first Avengers to an extent, but then he, like, he, he proves that he's willing to pay the ultimate price even when now he's got even more to live for, which I thought was a great end for his character. And then having Pepper, like... <laughs> I, I do not care for Gwyneth Paltrow the person, but her her uh, her portrayal of Pepper Potts has always been okay by me. Well, let's and just go I, ahead and say if Gwyneth Paltrow ever encountered an Infinity Stone, she would sleep with it in her vagina. Yes, this is <laughs> as as the meme says. Uh, but uh, yeah, like 
her portrayal of Pepper has always been fine by me. She and uh, Downey had good chemistry yeah. uh, on screen. So having her tell Tony, like in, I th- I thought having her tell Tony, you can rest now. It's going to be okay. Was perfect instead of saying I love you. Always love you. Yeah. Like she she told him what he needed to hear, which was it's okay that you're done because to Tony's mind, the world needs him because he, he is a narcissist in a lot of ways. And like he, he can't possibly fathom the world, not needing him in order to function. Well, I, she's she's giving him an out and telling him it's okay. You can go now. I kind of like it as like a meta line about Robert Downey Jr. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Like we can move on from the MCU without Tony Stark now. I j- just to give Downey more props, um the the two scenes that really worked for me or that I thought he really stood out in were were one the death scene where he's not there are no quips. He he is fucked up and dying. Yeah. Like he doesn't say anything s- cute or snarky. He is he he has been destroyed. Uh, and he really played that amazingly well. And then I, I, I mentioned it quickly before, but his freak out uh, at Steve after he's been brought back when he's in the, uh, hooked up to the IV and everything is just phenomenal. And his, I told you we needed to build a suit of armor around the world, and you said when we failed, we'd fail together, and now here we are. Dude, his delivery, and I, I'm assuming they used some CG to to make him look all like skeletal and fucked up. But uh man, that was just that's one of my favorite Tony moments ever because it gives you after after watching Civil War and kind of leaning towards man, Steve's right, it brings it back and it's like, "Oh shit, Tony was kind of right too." Even though even though the movie presents both sides relatively objectively, it is nice to have it come back around and be like yeah, but Tony had a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like yeah the armor around the world. I liked. I mean, I'm not sure what Ultron would have done to stop any well, of this. Well, if, if Ultron, but if Ultron had but, worked, it would have been yeah. sort of a, a sentient defense system comprised of Ultron and the Iron Legion, and it could have you know it potentially could have made a difference. Yeah, but as Steve uh-huh. points out, well, that didn't work out so well. Uh, right. Let's let's move on to the interesting fact that, or the, I guess the tongue-in-cheek fact that Endgame several times points out that Back to the Future is bullshit, and yet is totally an homage to Back to the Future. <laughs> right down to the going into the past and having to do the heist around the characters that exist in the past, and like, oh shit, look, it's that scene from the old movie, like. I, I love that they acknowledged it and then leaned into it. Yeah, especially listing all the time travel movies. Because it's almost like from a movie maker perspective, <laughs> it keeps you from, when they start introducing it, like getting pulled away from the movie by thinking about all that. Right. They're like, hey, we're just going to go ahead and list them for you. <laughs> we're <laughs> like, we're going to go ahead and explain to you how everything you know doesn't work for this movie so you can stop thinking about it. Yeah, and you know, I know you're going ahead and you're thinking about Biff Tanner World, but guess what? Back <laughs> to the Future's bullshit. Right. So stop thinking about it. Right. Move right, on. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. And the, I, I'm going to say I think they. I love that they established no, the past does not change our future. Uh, I think that was very smart. And then the time travel itself, uh, man, I mean, it was, as as uh, Scott Lang called it, it, it was a time heist, and it was so much fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. I, I found it interesting online because, you know, there's so many people bitching about the time travel, and that's not how time travel works, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. That's not how real time travel works. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't notice your PhD in time travel there, smart guy. <laughs> well, Tell but, me when you time travel, how does it work? If you Please read proceed. like Marvel comic books, though, that is exactly how time travel works in Marvel. Oh, like, is it? This is how Days of Future Past happens. Like, that's the big surprise at the end of Days of Future Past is she goes back, and the future is still just like that. You cannot change it. And that's how Bishop and Cable and all of it work. Like, this is how time travel in Marvel works. They didn't invent anything new. I gotta just... say, Don Cheadle's delivery of why don't we just go back when Thanos was a baby and his <laughs> miming what looked to me to be taking the umbilical cord and strangling baby Thanos with it. You know, Don was... Cheadle. He has gotten progressively, like, better and better. Like, I think out of anyone, like, he has gotten funnier and funnier, like, who his character is as it's gone on. Like, the line in Infinity War where he makes, um, uh, who does he make bow to T'Challa? Oh, Scott. Oh, uh, Scott. We, we no, no, it's uh, Bruce. It's Bruce. Oh, it is Bruce. That's right. That's right. That is one of my favorite moments in that whole movie. Because not when he says it, but just when he bows, and then he goes, man, come on, man. And, yeah. like, yeah. keeps going. He, he screws with him after he does it. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I thought uh, another thing that I really enjoyed with uh, with Cheadle as Rhodey in this movie was when uh, he and Nebula are on uh, <laughs> the planet and watching Star-Lord in 2014, dancing around. And, uh, so he's an idiot. He, yeah, he, he looks at her and just goes, so he's an idiot? And she just says, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and you know what? Also, while we're talking about performances, Karen Gillan, uh, fantastic in this. Yeah, she was, she was super great. I mean, just Nebula is just a, a seething ball of emotion and rage. And, uh, man, I, I, and also... Uh, disconnected from everything in a way too. Well, and she plays like that traumatic, like someone that's come from abuse so well. Like you see it, like she doesn't let people touch her. You see her like desperate to like make connections. Like it, Karen Gill is really good at making that where you can see she wants to be connected to people, but because of her past, just can't do it. Well, and, um, the the movie itself, I, I picked this up the second time through, and I, I didn't really catch it the first time. Uh, when after twenty fourteen, Nebula has the the vision or whatever the memory connection. Thanos walks over to her, puts that blade won't even doesn't even touch her, uses his bloody weapon to lift her head up. And then looks at Gamora and says, bring her to my ship. Doesn't say to Nebula, 
come to my ship, come with me, we're going to, doesn't even speak to her. I mean, it just shows you like the, the lack of regard and the lack of, of, uh, of his, he doesn't even recognize her sentience hardly. Like it, uh-huh. it, it, that to me was almost the saddest scene in the whole movie is how fucked up that relationship was. And then later on when she says, uh, she talks about being so desperate to please him all the time. Like, man, that, that stuff is dark. Mm-hmm. Well, and that scene with her and Gamora where she says, eventually we're friends. And like, you can see like that Gamora, the 2014 Gamora being mean to her again and dismissing her is like super hurtful to her. And like, yeah, you see it like, God, we've did all this in guardians of the galaxy volume two. And we've moved forward past this. And now I'm back again to, she hates me. And it's the only person I wanted to love me. Yeah. I really like Nebula. Like she has had a really good arc over all the movies. Yeah, they, they've they've done a great job with, with her, and and I look forward to seeing more of her. Um, what else? What else have we got? Arian, was there anything specific uh, that you had in in notes or wanted to talk about? Uh geez. So I mentioned that this movie reminded me of Return of the King. Uh <laughs> and you're not. Oh yeah, and you know what? I think we lost that in our oh, okay. uh, in our cutout. So, so, so yeah. It, it reminds me of Return of the King in that it's it's got an air of inevitability to it. Not like it didn't follow the source material as closely as the Lord of the Rings movies did. So like there's obvious like it, it's in a it's a kind of hodgepodge of a bunch of different comic series uh, doing stuff. And like even even within this movie, you get like subtle callbacks to different comic moments. Like, were Hulk's kind of holding up a mountain to protect people, or, uh, you know, Cap leans in and says, Hail Hydra, but... Uh, that was like, it, fantastic. Yeah, that was... Because that was cause when he gets in the elevator, you immediately call back to Winter Soldier. Right. It's elevator scene. And, uh... But instead, he, he just screws with them, and he's just like, I'm going to get this without having to kick anybody's ass. And, and then he does, and it's great. But, uh... It, it, it had an air of inevitability towards it, to it because you, you kind of Marvel's not gonna like not make another Black Panther movie after it made a billion dollars. Like, and and you know Chadwick Boseman is signed on to, for X amount of movies. Like, these are all things that people know. Like, well, okay. So speaking of Black Panther two, which we know they're gonna make. I feel they pretty clearly laid out that it's going to be Namor. Like, eh, they may have hinted it. I don't know if I they clearly know. laid it out. I think those rumors uh, have been around stuff. so long. That I get, they I, I get bored with fish stuff. I don't know. It's just me. Uh, oh. But uh, like, I, I, I can't ever get into Namor. I can't ever get into Superman. I can't ever get into Aquaman. These are my, my failings. Is a comic book fan. Uh, yeah, but you know MCU is going to do something interesting. Yeah, I know. There there was a great meme that I saw where somebody said, you know who would have had no problem beating Thanos? And it was like silhouette of the Justice League. And, and, and I don't want to cause a war here, but then 
someone tweeted beneath it, let them beat Rotten Tomatoes first. Yeah, th- no, that's accurate. <laughs> that's accurate. Uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, the movie, uh, the, like the le- I feel like we need to talk about, to me, this movie was, like, in a lot of ways, the most comic booky of all, if that's an adjective. Well, re- an adjective? really quickly, I want to address uh, something that you mentioned, though, in, in that... You know, at the end of Infinity, there, there's this really cynical take, and color me shocked that it's coming from you. Sure. That oh, the ending of Infinity War wasn't effective. It wasn't effective because we all know no, they're going to bring these effective. people back. It, like, and, it was and, like, getting as hell at the time when it happened. Like it was super effective, but like there was always a part in my brain that's like, it's like they're going to do something whether it's time travel or everybody's actually trapped in the soul stone and not actually dead or Well, see, and to me, that's something. the interesting part. Sure, we, we've, we know they're not gone, but I'm dying to see how they come back. No, and, and for a sure. a lot of people, I, like when a I lot of people of... Don't, don't get that. And, and it's the same people who say, well, what's the point of a prequel? Well, what? who asked for Solo? Why do we do that? Well, it's because it's interesting to see the story. Like, I, I'm i interested in the journey, even if I know the end. Like, a Titanic didn't make a billion dollars because nobody knew how it ended. Yeah. You know? And I, it I, made I, a, million, uh, a billion dollars because everyone wanted to see Kate Winslet's boobs. Well, it made a billion dollars because people are suckers, but... I loved how they used those expectations too to set up people not expecting Black Widow. Like they knew what they were doing when they announced that movie not that long ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, just because. Also, also maybe Nebula could have mentioned to them like, uh, "You guys are going to the planet with the Soul Stone, where my sister didn't come back from." So maybe be careful. Uh, she did. I don't know. No, she did. Did she? She didn't. Okay. She didn't know exactly what happened. But that's yeah. remember when they were having the meeting. She said, um, "They're they're going to the planet that's the the was the axis of death in the universe." Thanos the, went this, there, and the my sister. Of the, okay. And yeah, my no, sister you're right, didn't you're right. come back. And then Scott goes, "Not it." <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Um. I've got it. Ryan, were, were there any specific things you wanted to touch on before we get into our yes. own end game? A uh, couple things. In the battle, the big final battle, um, I think probably the biggest like goosebumps feelings I got in the whole movie, and probably in all of the MCU, was when they finally let him say Avengers Assemble. And I think it was amazing that they've held off on that for that long. Yeah. Um, and it made that moment so much more powerful to finally get to hear the whole sentence said, and it didn't come off like cheesy or terrible either. Like, yeah, he didn't like you know, lift his shield up in the air and yell it like it, it worked. Yeah. It was played perfectly. What was not played so perfectly. Oh, oh is it time? <laughs> it's time. Okay. There's been a lot written about the a force scene. Um, and if you don't know, A-Force is the all-female Avengers. Um, She's got help. Yeah. I, I don't mind... It's not that I don't mind them all teaming up and coming together. 
it's just when it happened it's done so blatantly and makes no sense with the rest of the battle going on whatsoever that all of a sudden we're all right here and we're all together i don't know hey ladies let's all meet up on the left side of the battlefield at 5:45, and we're gonna do a big photo shoot scene okay is that cool with everybody like that's what that felt like and it, it really did here's here's the so i rolled my eyes at it when it happened the first time and i also rolled my eyes at it the second time i saw it but it, it bothers me less because like, especially more so the second time I saw it, Sunday morning, like, and maybe because I saw it, like, there were way more kids in the theater Sunday morning at 10 a.m. than there were Thursday night at 10.15. Uh, but, like, there were a, a noticeable amount of cheers, and it was high-pitched. It was mostly kids. That, so you're like, really suggesting like, we should go by children's opinions no, of, no, no, no. Here, of good filmmaking. So you're going to be in there for the Sonic movie, are you? No. Can you shut up and let me finish making my point? I apologize. Finish your point. Thank you. Uh, My larger point is, uh, yes, that that was silly and contrived, and I rolled my eyes at it, but uh, so was, like, everything else that had happened, like, in the previous 15. It's it's a freaking superhero movie where, uh, you know... In in the previous installment, uh, an actual line was, these guys are from space, and they're here to steal a wizard's necklace. Uh, and that's funny. Uh, now, yes, it's contrived. Yes, it's dumb. The only thing that really bothers me about it is that I think they did it to, like, maybe alleviate some of the criticism that they've had over the fact that they they just now finally got around to having a female lead in their 21st MCU movie. Uh, and they're like, hey, see, we're, we're totally down with the women's, and we love y'all, and please keep buying our tickets and stuff. But, yes, it, it annoyed me, and I rolled my eyes at it, but it, so many things annoy me, and I roll my eyes at them. And at the end of the day, I'm just like, well, I didn't enjoy that scene, but I heard people that did, so it's just not for me. I will say one thing I did enjoy in the battle that kind of goes along with that. Did you catch Wasp calling him Cap? Yes. And uh, laying smirking at her? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was perfect. Because she kind of gave gave him shit. Right. For for being their little lackey or whatever. And then, yeah, that was a great moment. Um, I mean, the battle itself, let's just talk about the the Molnir. Captain oh America. yes, no. That was that was my biggest mark out moment in in the entire movie. Uh, it, like on your left was cool too. Yes, yes, that was great. But like when like when Mjolnir comes through and hits him, and then you realize that it's not Thor. Yeah. Then you're just like, oh shit, yeah. Yeah, both times the the entire theater. That was the biggest reaction. Yeah. Both and times. Thor, Thor's like, I knew it. Yeah, think, which is funny because to me, Thor saying I knew it means he saw it move in Age of Ultron. Right. And because you see he, Thor react when, yeah, when it moves a little bit. He's like, oh, crap. Yeah. So like, I, is I love is this dude worthy? Right. Yes, he is. And of course he is. 
Yeah. I'll tell you, for Steve never holding the hammer, he sure figured out some sick hammer-shield combos <laughs> real fast. <laughs> I was like, whoa! Like. Well, he's, you know, he's Captain America. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fantastic. Uh, and then we, we actually, because here's the thing, is Infinity War managed to do a fantastic job of featuring all of those characters. Like, everybody got their share of screen time, but due to the nature of the story and the need to to give Cap and Tony big send-offs, excuse me, uh, so many characters didn't get as much... It wasn't split as, as evenly as it was in Infinity yeah. War because our story is yeah. about the main Avengers. But And, and I'm actually okay with that. Oh, like, I'm okay it, with it too. I'm totally okay with it. But Wanda did get her moment. No, she totally because did. she was about to finish Thanos off on her mm-hmm. own if he hadn't done the uh, the rain fire oh. maneuver. Yeah, if he hadn't called in the airstrikes. Right. Uh, and, and I'm also glad that uh, Carol wasn't there for the entire fight because she she's kind of like an she's kind of like an easy mode button, right? Like a, a game genie cheat, if you will. Uh, and uh, like having her, having her there meant that everyone would have had to work less to get to where they were up until that point. And and also like she's she's the future of the Avengers, and Cap and Tony were were the present at that point, and the movie should focus more on them. Well, and they so. established within the movie very well why she wasn't there. I loved her line about guess what. There are a thousand worlds other than these that the same thing happened on, and they don't have you guys. Like, right. And then later on, when when she's talking to uh, to Nat and, and says, you know, you may not see me for a long time. There's a lot of trouble out there. So they, you know, they didn't just save her for the end. They gave her a reason that until she realized that they had undone the snap, she didn't come back because she was out there in those worlds and. You know, at some point, all of a sudden, these people reappeared, and she was like, "I better get back to Earth." Like, right? I love that. Now, I did end up thinking though, because, like you said, she's an easy button. I think it pointed out, like, moving forward with whatever movies they go with, she's overpowered. Yeah, I think they're gonna have like by letting her have her binary powers all the time they're going to run into some problems. And I kind of wish they had, and maybe they'll go back and do it where she can't do binary all the time, but it's going to be an issue at some point. Well, well, I I feel like if you introduce more powerful opposition for her, that might help. I don't think you think they will. I don't think you even have to do that. I I think, uh, this is, this has been my statement about Superman for years now if you have good writers, it's good. It doesn't matter what the character is. It doesn't matter what the powers are. Nothing matters but having good writers. And for the most part, the MCU has been doing that for 11 years now. So I'm, I'm not worried about her being overpowered. Whatever they do, they'll figure it out and it'll work. Yeah. I I have supreme faith in Kevin Feige at this point. Uh, He, he gets it. Yeah. He might know what he's doing. Maybe. Yeah. Um, real quick, i got a few things I, I want to cover here and get you guys' input on them just from my notes. Uh, at the end, we you know Steve goes back, 
and I noticed this time around that he obviously told Bucky what he was going to do. Uh, I didn't catch that the first time because there's shit tons of stuff you don't catch the first time. I I did not see that. Uh, Yeah, because he tells Bucky, uh, or Bucky tells him, I'm going to miss you, man, even though they've just said he'll be gone five seconds. Yeah, Bucky knows. And then when Steve doesn't come back, Bucky doesn't react. He just turns around and looks at that bench. And that also explains the nod that Bucky gives Sam when Steve gives Sam the shield. So, you know, a lot of people may feel like, oh, I really kind of thought we were going to get Bucky Captain America. But to me, the Bucky that they've established and the world that they've established, his character is just too dirty to be Captain America. And I've always said that I felt like Sam was the one and they've handled that really nicely because Bucky is and always will be Steve's best friend. He's the one guy that Steve told, this is what I'm going to do. He wouldn't even tell Sam about Peggy. But See, I don't even think he told him. No, he I did. I think Bucky just knew. I think no, no, if you, no, if you watch it, it's very clear. they've When they have their little exchange, it's, it's clear they are in on something that everybody else isn't. I think there was an off-screen conversation, but but it's again, Bucky gets to be Cap's best friend ever. Sam gets to be Captain America. Like they they figured out a way to, for me anyway, they figured out a way to make that work within the story so that nobody feels slighted. Yeah, and it sure changes what that show may be about. Right. I'm very interested now. I mean, like I wasn't before, but yeah, now I, is it going to be? Falcon trains as Captain America, or I don't know. Yeah, whatever it is, it's it is very exciting now because you know there's still that dynamic. Will you move your seat up? No, like there's still a little <laughs> bit of that there, but there's also wow, we both have this relationship with this hero that's not around anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um. Let's see. Uh, I loved. I loved bringing. About. Oh, go ahead. I really appreciate the Russos gave John Favreau a really good scene at the end. Yes. Yeah. For they sure. They tied to Iron Man one with the cheeseburger thing, and like I didn't even think about it till afterwards. But I mean, you know, Favreau's the one that started the first movie, directing all of it. Yeah. Like It was really nice of them to give that kind of closure scene for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, let's just go ahead and admit that uh, if they had chosen, oh, shit, I can't remember his name right now. Who directed Rush Hour? Ratner. If, Ratner. if Brett Ratner had had uh, directed Iron Man, we might not be talking about this right now. Yeah. You now? Uh, agreed. <laughs> and look, I don't have anything against Brett Ratner as a director. He's a horrible human, but as a director, he's he's competent, but he does not have the Favreau magic. Well, yeah. but see, I remember when they announced Favreau for it, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like, see, those of us who had seen Zathura understood <laughs> I, what was happening. I had not seen Zathura. Uh, as so. soon as I, they I said had... Favreau, I was like, "Oh shit, that's brilliant!" Because if, if you still haven't seen Zathura, you should, uh, because yeah. it'll tell you exactly why they chose Favreau for Iron Man. Um, I, I loved bringing Harley Keener back. Uh, the kid from Iron Man three. Yeah, no, I, I, I had to. I had to figure out who that was. 
<laughs> I like to imagine all of them standing around, though, being like, who the who hell is, is this kid? Yeah. But <laughs> here's, he? here's the thing. Do you think there's a possibility going forward he could take over as Iron Man? Yeah, I don't think so. I feel like of everybody, uh, and this is off the wall, but uh, I feel like Shuri would make the best Iron Man. Well, here's the thing. I think they'll introduce Riri. I had said Shuri before, but Shuri wouldn't be Iron Man. Shuri would be whatever Shuri wants to be. Like, there's no reason to make her step into a legacy role um and as far as the character's place within the mcu uh i think t'challa is your new tony stark essentially as far as being kind of the central guy uh oh gosh and i had it all figured out as to who the new conscience is uh i guess i guess well it's sam it's sam would be Spider-Man, the new conscience yeah. um but i think it would be very interesting to have you know it didn't work so well in the comics but i think a teenage iron man palling around with peter parker uh, that could be a lot of fun yeah that's that's why i think they'll go with riri i think they will do some sort of movie about her it's a good story you know she's a good character kind of where she comes from and she you know champions while it has its faults is a good team um so I can see him going there. Now, what I do want to see is they seem to be slowly setting the pieces in place for Young Avengers. Yeah, um, right? They, they've, because cause they've got Cassie, Hawkeye has a daughter. Yeah, they've announced Kate Bishop is going to be on Disney Plus on that Hawkeye oh, show. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot that. Yeah, so there's two. All right, so looking like, I don't think they'll do like the Young Avengers per se because... Iron Lad is a little complicated, and Patriot is, but I could see them doing a young team, um, kind of mixing like Young Avengers and maybe Champions together. So using Spider-Man that way, Kate Bishop, Stature, um, I would love to see like Viz Vision come in, or Viv Vision, or like part of that whole deal. Well, maybe they'll introduce her in WandaVision somehow. <laughs> I, they could. That would be really cool. Um so I could see that there. They, um, I don't know what I was going to say after that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, I, I think we've jumped around the movie and, and hit on most of the concepts there. The thing that really, oh wait, no, no, no I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to mention this. Did you guys notice that Hulk was eating his hunka hulka burning fudge ice cream? I know I missed that. <laughs> yeah, he was. He totally was. Wait, when, where, what part was that? When they're sitting at the dinner table and Rocket is talking to Scott, and he's like, "Oh, does Puppy want to go to space?" <laughs> and uh, yeah, Hulk's sitting there, and he's got a big giant tub of, of hunka hulka burning fudge. <laughs> it was great. Oh, that's great. Um, okay, let's see. Okay, so that, that yeah, that was it. Uh, the Iron Infinity Gauntlet was badass, and they need to make a toy of that. Obviously, yes. they need to make a toy of everything. Uh, but in this movie, we got to see Thanos suffer the most complete and utter defeat, like ever. And he was given like three whole minutes to recognize that 
that it was over, that he failed. Like they did this whole thing where the camera moved around him and he had to watch all of his assets turn to dust and his face got all sad and then he sat down. It was, I, I was just eating it up. Oh my gosh, that it was amazing the way that they treated like one of the best film villains or one of my favorite film villains I've ever seen. Like he, he got his comeuppance in a way that was just incredible. Do, do you guys agree that that was just amazingly well done? Yeah, I, no, totally. I think how they handled Thanos in general in this movie was really smart. Going from like the 2000, whatever, 23 Thanos. Right to the 2014 Thanos and how different they are and how they did use that like to show 2014 Thanos be like, well, I thought that was going to work, but you know what? Screw all y'all. We're going to kill everybody now. Right. And it was a really well played how the, you could see how different the two were, which was done well. And they were both fantastic twists too, like to open the movie with them, you know, in a way victorious but there's also a theme there that, like, just because you kill the bad guy, and that was part of Thor's story as well. Like, typically the happy ending is I got my revenge and killed the bad guy. But that doesn't make for a happy ending. It doesn't undo what he did. And that, and that I like that that's a commentary on revenge movies, too, is that's not an answer, and that doesn't give you what you want. Well, and they kept that Thanos from still being... I mean, yeah, he wiped out half the universe... But then they made it a point to have him say it was too tempting not to take over the universe, so I destroyed all the stones. It keeps that Thanos on message. Like he's not like a psycho bad guy. He's just a guy that really does believe right. he was done. The, yeah, yeah. And he I also like wanted. I also like that Thanos is the kind of douchebag that would quote himself yeah. at the <laughs> end when he says "I am inevitable," which is you know what he saw in the recording before. <laughs> uh, but yeah man that was just that scene was beautiful just yeah. seeing him fall yeah and uh the uh the, the battle was the the craziest nettiest awesomest battle of all time ever valkyrie on a agree. winged horse yeah How, howard the duck okay Wait, so I, yeah i didn't know where was he uh, I'm trying to think when it's towards you see him when the Ravagers come in. Um, he's kind of standing next to the Ravagers. Oh my gosh, I hated huh? to miss that. Yeah, that when I went, I went by the comic shop after I saw it today, and uh, she she said I heard Howard the Duck was in it, and I was like, what? And I thought yeah. maybe she was mistaken, and somebody had told her something about Howard Stark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Howard's in it. Yeah, I know Howard Stark. Big deal. Whatever. But no. screw you, Luke Cage. You don't get to come. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, with the movie being overstuffed already, like, how do you do those characters uh, yeah. justice? Yeah. Uh, all right. So I think we've we've covered everything fairly well. Are there any last little tidbits you guys have to bring up? And this kind of goes more towards the future of things. But, you know, the ending, they very clearly have Thor with the Guardians. 
I just don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe if it's just like I, I hope when they do Guardians three, Thor is not in it the whole time. I was over the Star Lord Thor thing about yeah. thirty seconds into it in the last movie. <laughs> uh, that that doesn't do anything for me, and I I'm with you. I hope they go drop him off somewhere or something. I I'm. I am not interested in watching that dynamic for two hours. Okay. Uh, I, I I don't think I I am less hostile to the idea than you guys are, uh, but I I will agree that I I would prefer to see a Guardians movie that's not largely focused around Thor. Uh, I don't know. Maybe have him be like comic relief for the comic relief. Uh, but well, yeah. I don't. I'm not against the idea of Thor being part of the Guardians or even being... A, I wouldn't say a big part of the movie because it's it's an ensemble movie, so there is no real... You know, yeah, Quill's kind of the center of it. But but uh, I'm not against him being part of the Guardians. I just don't need to see them jabbing at each other like that for two hours. It got old after a minute, you know, the first time. I'm 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 done with it. Let's, let's not do that. Yeah. Fair. Uh, cool, Arian. Any any last thoughts? Uh, no. I feel like we hit most of uh most of everything I wanted to talk about. It it really did strike me how much that this the Infinity Saga was really in a lot of ways the Tony Stark saga, and that's appropriate given given that the MCU started in a very unsure and uncertain place and uh you know they weren't quite sure what they had and what they were going to be able to do and it was all contingent on the public buying into Robert Downey Jr who remember like now he's like the the highest paid actor in the world and yada 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 but like at the time like he was risky he, he was, yeah, he was not a sure thing at all. Like, it was... If like, Disney had, had been in charge then... They, they would have never hired would, him? Right, correct. Like, they, he would have never been Iron Man? And, and now he got to go out on this amazing note. Right? And, and like, yes, there was no end scene, but at, the first time I did stay till the end, and at the very end of it, when they put the Marvel logo up, you hear the clank from him working on the original armor suit in the cave in Afghanistan or wherever it was. And I thought that was a great inappropriate callback to, uh, to, to the first Iron Man movie well, and, and what started him, it all. It's him not just forging the armor, but forging the MCU. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. The only thing that's kind of a bummer about Cap and Tony being gone is that we won't get to see them interact with whatever is happening in the future, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom. Like, we, we don't get to see that interaction that we were all kind of looking for. But, we, you know, we'll see it within the MCU at some point, maybe 10 years from now, but we'll see it. But uh, it is kind of a bummer they won't be involved. Yeah, but, you know, it's... I I appreciate and enjoy uh, terminal storytelling. I I like things that don't go on forever. 
I like a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, I don't enjoy TV series like... Uh, I was going to say like The Big Bang Theory, but then so that totally sets me up for someone saying, oh, you mean bad TV series? Uh, I, I don't like TV shows that just go on forever. Uh, like I much prefer the British model of television where it's, hey, here's six to eight episodes per season, two or three seasons max for everything other than Doctor Who. We're going to tell you this story. We're going to be done. We're going to move you along your way. Well, uh, it, it just depends, again, on the skill of the writers and the freshness of the ideas. Uh, and, and typically uh, people get kind of set into the format and, and the creativity goes away and they get really risk-averse. And I don't see the MCU... Yes, they work within their own tone, but if you look at it, they do take some pretty crazy risks within the tone and the style of storytelling that they've established. Well, I see, I'm worried they're starting to lose it, though. Uh, well, and, I, and I hope they don't. And you know, like, you're not wrong. I, Eternals, you know, Eternals is one of the things they've announced. And Eternals are weird, man, like... That's a weird comic. As, as of so, this moment, I do not give a shit about the Eternals, aside from the fact that it's going to have the MCU label on it. Yeah, and so, you know, I hope they they go back to taking more risk and go back to more like, let's make a weird car chase movie or let's make a, you know, this. like You mean like I, The I, Last I like Jedi? <laughs> You see, though, <laughs> we'll get in, we can get into that discussion. Um, what had happened was, uh, I, I think the biggest, like, uh, the takeaway from all of it, and, and people have talked about this a lot, but it is still just dumbfounding what Marvel pulled off. Like, they essentially made an 11-year-old story over 22 movies and when this started, that was unheard of. And, like, my mom knows who Rocket Raccoon is. <laughs> right, that right. Is absolutely insane to me. Um, and they pulled it off pretty much without any mistakes. Um, you know, there's a Thor Dark World here and there. Well, without, but even still, without Thor any Dark bombs. World is not all. Yeah. Um, the problems are nitpicks and not, like, big glaring errors. Like... It's 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 pretty well done, and it's pretty shocking how well done it is. Right, and you know you're talking about Steve and Tony. I kind of wonder, like, I think it's going to have to be like who's going to be the one. Like, people really love T'Challa, and I agree he's great. But outside of him and Spider Man, right now, I just don't know who who are people going to latch onto as far as like a whole narrative down the line. Because that's Tony, like. You know, this has been his thing, like you said, the whole way. And even movies he's not in, you know, it's still kind of, you know, he's there somewhere. Well, nobody feels as essential, big and superstar as Tony Stark and Steve Rogers in these movies. Right. And uh, T'Challa absolutely, basically, as soon as he showed up, did feel that big. But I don't know who his person to play off of can be. Yeah, and maybe it's Captain Marvel. We haven't seen them interact a lot yet. Um, 
So it could be. I mean, I think that's who they're... It seems like they're kind of leaning towards T'Challa being the Captain America, Strange being kind of the asshole Iron Man, and then... And then Carol doing whatever it is she's going to do. Yeah, and I don't know. And and maybe, you know, maybe we don't even get another Avengers movie. Maybe, Maybe rather than Avengers movies, every once in a while there'll be something like Annihilation or, you know, something like that. But they won't feel the need to worry about the team dynamic as much because it'll be more of a let's, you know, we've got this thing that we've got to face. Yeah, I mean, I could see them doing like, um, oh, like an Illuminati kind of thing. They probably won't call it the Illuminati. What was the, oh, what was that last team that was Carol and T'Challa and, oh, Alpha Flight? Um, when she kind of took over Alpha Flight. If they make Alpha Flight that's anything other than a bunch of Canucks running around in red and white (laughs) spandex, I'm going to be furious. But we'll save that. Get Petey Williams up in there. We'll save that for another day because we've got to wrap this thing up. Um, So uh, I, I feel like we really probably don't even need to rate this thing, but we'll go around and do it anyway. Uh a matter of fact, you know what? We're not going to give it a rating, but let's talk about rewatchability. Uh, in 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 your own personal context of movies that you revisit and you go back to, uh, Ryan, how do you feel this is going to rank as far as, you know, over the years? Is this something you're going to watch every year? Uh, will it be an occasional revisit? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm guessing it'll be an occasional. I don't think it'll be like Guardians and Winter Soldier that, I probably watch too much or like if they're on the background, I'll leave them on. Um, but I can see watching it from time to time. Like I said, I really want to watch it together with infinity wars, one whole thing to kind of see what that looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I plan on doing that when uh, Disney plus comes online this fall, but, uh, with the luxury of a pause button. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Is it easy to take pee breaks without missing anything? Uh, (laughs) always appreciated so uh it, it's definitely gonna be uh every once in a while for me uh I, I don't think every year i feel like it's probably like i said i i enjoyed infinity war better it's definitely like in the top third or quarter of mcu movies for me it's a it's a pretty great movie that has the best battle scene of all time ever in it so and and the time heist stuff is super fun, so it's it's a really good movie, and I enjoyed it. So there you go. Yeah, I, I am absolutely thrilled with it. I can't believe they wrapped everything up and paid everything off as well as they did. Uh, I do wish I had had a little more distance between it and uh, The Long Night, because mm-hmm. the uh, last episode of Game of Thrones... Oh, yeah. Like, I... I loved it, but I had just come off of the biggest superhero war in the history of cinema. So it, it was definitely, uh, I won't say it was tainting my opinion, because I still dug the heck out of that episode, but it was in the back of my mind the whole time I was watching it. Yeah. And you could see what was happening during the end of I, you know, I didn't end really, game. I didn't really have any problems with with uh, with that, but uh, you know, I I calibrate my yeah, TV settings from time to time. So, what are you going to do? And we're gonna, I want to watch it on the projector too because I think that would help a lot as well. 
Uh, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Game of Thrones this week. We were here to talk about Avengers Endgame, uh, an awesome conclusion to the so-called Infinity Saga. Ryan, uh, what are you up to, and are you ever going to write anything for Needless Things again? <laughs> One day, that'll happen. I actually uh, just finished... I finished my second job, so I'm down to one job again. Nice. So I'll actually have a lot of, like, time to kill. I realize I'm going to start being home every day at, like, 3.30. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I, so, I, I say toy reviews. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll just start doing that again. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, that Dr. Aphra is coming, and she's going to be wanting to review, I think. And uh, 112 figures. You know, oh yeah, we, we need to start trading those off for for you. You do one, I do one. <laughs> uh, Arian, what are you up to? Where can we find you online? I don't. You know me. I don't do things. Uh, if you really want to follow me at uh, at such a lazy man on uh, Instagram, you can see pictures of my pets and occasionally my food and uh, some dumb memes that I share. So and, and what. What more is there to life than that, really, when you get down to it? So. That's really true. That and Avengers Endgame, that's about it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks a lot, you guys. While we were sitting there talking about Endgame uh, last night, I, I just wanted to watch it again. I can't wait to see that movie again. And and like Ryan and Arian both said, I want to sit down and take in Infinity War and Endgame in one viewing and see how cohesive they are as a single narrative. And and granted, I I guess technically as the end of a single narrative, but you know what I mean. Uh, Oh, once again, the music that you heard at the beginning of the show was Suppose the Doomsday Cults Were Right from the KBK, which I thought was appropriate for Avengers Endgame. And uh, you can go Google the KBK, uh, get their album, get the vinyl compilation all that good stuff check out seed and spark i I don't want to run through everything i put over in the intro again uh because i know most of you probably aren't listening right now anyway uh but please do check out needlessthingspodcast.com we have tons of new stuff all the time beth and i both reviewed the most recent episode of game of thrones this past week so you can go check out our different perspectives on that uh, Monday, I wrote a whole thing about whether or not I was going to order this insanely overpriced Snake Mountain from Super 7, which, I mean, I, look, I don't know that it's insanely overpriced. Uh, it's $600, which is a shit ton of money, and then $150 shipping on top of that. Uh, and, and you can't help but compare this kind of special toy project to the Katana, which, by the way, was last week's episode. Uh, we reviewed that. But, man, that's a, that's a lot of money and putting a lot of trust into Super 7 to deliver that product in the way that they're promising. But anyway, uh, come back next week. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.